This is Freedom is the Cure with your guest host today, Christian Gomez. And today, of course, we'll be discussing the various pushbacks that we're seeing across the country finally and around the world to the COVID tyranny being unleashed from us from above. Joining me today to discuss the pushback against the various tyrannical measures imposed by governments in the U.S. and around the world is Peter Rakowski, the JBS Research Associate. uh, Peter, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Christian. It's great to be on. So we are seeing tyranny like we've never seen it before, all since March of 2020 with the COVID-19 lockdown measures and social distancing, vaccine passports, but people are standing up. They are speaking up. They, they're saying enough is enough. We're not putting up with this, part of my French, CRAP anymore. So Peter, can you give us a little bit of a rundown of what you see, uh, some, some, of the resist, some of the pushback to the resistance that you see across the country right now? Yeah, well, there's a lot of uh, resistance to the tyranny going on. And it's coming from a lot of different areas. I'll give you a few examples on the state legislative side, because I I follow legislation a lot. That's a big part of what I do. Uh, Just in the past couple days, uh, several state legislators have announced special sessions uh, to nullify some of the uh, tyranny imposed, particularly from the federal level. Uh, Because we saw Joe Biden, he mandated uh, the vaccine for Uh, businesses with over 100 employees. And, you know, this is being implemented through OSHA. You know, Congress never voted on this. Uh, OSHA does not have the the authority. The federal government doesn't have the authority, even if Congress were to pass a law, because the Constitution doesn't authorize anything remotely close to that. So state legislators in, you know, Wyoming, Tennessee, Florida, and Idaho are now calling legislative sessions to uh, nullify the tyranny. And, Uh, Even in uh, other states, local officials and even state executive branch officials are uh, taking action to uh, prevent uh, mask mandates, lockdowns, vaccine mandates, and other forms of tyranny. Like Governor Ron DeSantis, the governor of South Dakota, Kristi Noem, the governor in Alabama even. governors are So there are some governors, not all of them are bad, but some of them actually are standing up, right? Some of them are standing up. And state legislators and governors are only one of many examples that we're seeing uh, because we're also seeing uh, pushback among uh, the police. Uh, For example, several cities and states are mandating the vaccine for police officers, and if police officers don't take the vaccine, uh, they'll be fired. Uh, And obviously this would be totally detrimental to public safety, uh, but these you know, left-wing totalitarian leaders, they, you know, they don't care about that. You know, they were perfectly fine with Black Lives Matter and, you know, the far-left rioters burning down cities, but then, you know, they're perfectly okay firing police officers over a vaccine, or should I say a quote-unquote vaccine, because it's not really a vaccine. Yeah, experimental mRNA gene therapy, if be more accurate. Right. But, in, but several police, of, uh, police departments are refusing to bow down to the tyranny. 
Uh, there's a really good example in California, in Riverside County. Uh, the sheriff, whose name is Chad Bianco, he announced that he will not enforce the state's vaccine mandate on police officers. And he previously refused to enforce California's mask mandate for anyone in his county. And in an example uh, closer to where we're at, uh, in Chicago, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, uh, announced that she'll fire up to 3,000 police officers in the city for not getting the vaccine. Uh, but, you know, this is creating a huge um, problem with law enforcement because, you know, there's a crime surge in, Ch in Chicago, but they need police officers, but now they're losing police officers. So she asked for help from the suburban police and sheriff departments. But many of them are saying, we're not going to help you because this is a catastrophe that you created. Wait, so let me get this straight. So we have the mayor of Chicago, far progressive uh, leftist, uh, Lightfoot, requiring the Chicago Police Department to be fully vaccinated. And if they don't, she'll fire those who aren't, right? Ter they'll be terminated. So up to 3,000 Chicago police officers up until now have refused to get the vaccine, will not get it. And because they're not going to get it, they're going to have, she's going to fire these police and thus the city will not have the law enforcement uh, required to provide public safety uh, for the city. So now she's turning to other local municipalities. Now, about those municipalities, Peter, are they requiring their police officers, the ones that she has requested to help cover uh, areas of Chicago, are those other non-Chicago police uh, you know, required to be vaccinated by their municipalities? No, or at least not yet. I mean, with with uh, DuPage County and uh, Kane County, uh, their sheriffs have said, no, we're not. And they said... So her solution to um, replace unvaccinated police officers is to bring in other communities' unvaccinated police officers. That's right. It's purely motivated by, uh, by but, ideology. There's no other basis. But these other it. municipalities, like you pointed out, they're not sending their police uh, to Chicago or their sheriffs to Chicago. And why is that again? Because this is a crisis that Lori Lightfoot created. This is, this is not a normal uh, problem. I mean, she could have entirely prevented it if she just didn't mandate the vaccine. You know, police officers, you know, these other departments, you know, they don't want to be going to another county or another municipality to cover for another leader's uh, terrible leadership, you yeah. know, they have to care for their own communities. So they're, so they're not, they're not going to send police officers somewhere else yeah. because of a crisis that another leader created. Exactly right. I mean, typically speaking, um, you know, if there's a, let's say a major bank robbery, one of these suburban towns outside of Chicago, and uh, they require uh, more police officers than what they would have, they would probably tap into the Chicago Police Department, which has a larger uh, force and, and more equipment and, and, and manpower. So for now, these smaller communities to be asked to help in Chicago, I'm glad they've said no, uh, is just absolutely uh, ludicrous. But we know that the left's goal, uh, you know, here at the John Birch Study, we've been talking for decades since the early 1960s with our Support Your Local Police campaign. The ultimate goal of the collectivists is to collectivize, essentially, all the local police departments into a fat federal uh, national police force. So if, if the local police aren't, aren't doing their job the way the, the collectivist leaders like Lightfoot want, uh, you know, obviously we know that they want to abolish the police. We've seen 
calls to defund police, abolish the police. Here's a good way to do it if you're, if you're a leftist under the guise of, oh, you're not vaccinated, so you're going to be fired. But then that still creates a problem. What do we do about crime? And what do we do about not just real crime, like potential bank robberies or rape or whatnot, but what do we do with the people who don't obey our tyrannical edicts, right? Because this is now law, as we're reminded every time you go to an airport, oh, wear your mask, it's federal law. So what do we do uh, to enforce these these edicts Well, if you're the left? Well, you're going to need to have a national police force. So, so do you see what's going on in Chicago and other places as setting the stage for demands for the federal government to come in and, and sort of solve the problem? I mean, it was President Reagan, I think, who said – the scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah, exactly. You're you're completely right. I mean, this is this is part of the push towards a federal police force. Uh, you know, even with the uh, you know, Black Lives Matter riots uh last year. Yeah, so this is clearly a push for a, a federalized um police force. But in addition to lo- local law enforcement, we're seeing uh, you know, I- I'm actually qu- uh, l- l- we should applaud the police in Chicago who are standing up to the mayor and applaud the, the municipalities and the mayors and the other police and sheriffs around Chicago who are saying, no, we're not going to cover for the mayor's ineptitude there in Chicago. But uh, on the other side of the coin, we have Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, who's offered, what, $5,000 bonuses to any police officer or sheriff, if I'm uh, not mistaken, who leaves their jurisdiction outside of Florida because of the vaccine mandate and chooses to move to Florida and serve in law enforcement there. That's so right. can you talk a little bit more about the resistance that we're seeing, not just from in law enforcement, but in other areas like fire departments, uh, doctors and nurses? Um, where else are people standing up to these ridiculous mandates? Yeah, well, first off, um, Florida, yeah, Ron DeSantis has uh, announced that he wants the legislator to pass legislation doing that. Uh, and he's not the only governor uh, in Alaska and Indiana specifically. I've heard the governors uh, saying the same things, offering incentives for police officers to move to their states. So more uh, conservative pro-freedom governors are uh, doing that. And as you said, we're seeing pushback, not just in police departments, but uh, in all sorts of different areas. Uh, for example, with the nurses and doctors, many of them have uh, quit uh, their their jobs because of the mandates, and it's creating severe shortages in states like New York. Uh, the governor had to call in National Guard troops because uh, so many nurses had quit, and there was at least one uh, hospital that I was aware of in New York that had to uh, shut down its... Uh, Elective uh, procedures and surgeries, at least. Yeah, yeah, and also for uh, its childbirth operation... Because of that. So another case where we have uh, an executive official, in this case the governor of the state, like Mayor Lightfoot, similarly, creating the very crisis. And then the solution is, well, we have to bring in this external government force, in this case the National Guard. Um, so but isn't this sort of like, like the Hegelian dialectic that we see in place here where the, uh, the other side, the collectivists, the deep state, the globalists, they create the problem, then they have a solution already waiting so then ultimately they can impose more control on the people. I mean, think about this vaccine. Vaccines normally take, the so-called vaccine, right? They normally take, what, 10 to 15 years to be developed in, normally in the market. And now we have this 
pandemic that came and you know supposedly started December 31st, 2019 or whatever, uh, the COVID-19 out of China, Wuhan. And then by March, the whole world, mid-March, is, is in lockdown, essentially. And then in a few months, now there's all these vaccines made up just so quickly. And now we're being told this year, you have to get it. And if you don't get it, well, you're the cause why it's it's spreading. And like you mentioned, the nurses, last year's heroes, today they're, well, they're zero. If they don't get the vaccine, they'll be fired. They'll be without a job. Um, so... Where do you see all this headed, uh, Peter? What is the end game here of people like Lightfoot, the governor of New York, Biden, the globalists? Uh, What is the purpose behind all this? Where do they want to take the world? Well, I mean, if you create a global problem, it'll require a global solution. You know, that's what they did with uh, the coronavirus. You know, so they're implementing, you know, the global technocracy uh, you know, we've seen uh, the Great Reset with Klaus Schwab, uh, you, know, say, you know, because of the coronavirus and also because of so-called climate change. You know, we have to completely redo the global economy and all of society in response to this, you know, build back better, you know, because of the um, economic uh, catastrophe because of the coronavirus. Uh, you know, we need to, you know, rebuild, but we need to rebuild in a different way. It's funny you mentioned uh, the Great Reset and Build Back Better. Uh, of course, what we have we have videos at the New American where Alex Newman goes into how Biden's campaign phrase "Build Back Better" is essentially copy and pasted, plagiarized, which is you know classic standard kit for for Joe Biden, uh, plagiarized from UN world leaders for for years who have been saying we have to build back better, build back better. Um, and now we have legislation in Congress, because uh, you, you track this legislation, actually, for our legislative alerts here at the John Birch Society. Well, there's a bill in Congress, uh, uh, is there not, called the Build Back Better Act. What is in this bill? What's it about? And what's the objective of that bill if it's enacted into law? Right, yeah. So this came about from the so-called uh, infrastructure negotiations that the Democrats are doing with each other. So there are two bills. Both of them are terrible bills and would spend trillions of dollars, put us into debt, and radically remake our economy into something uh, resembling the Paris Climate Agreement and the Great Reset combined. So there is that bipartisan bill, which is $1.2 trillion. It's it's a so-called infrastructure bill, but only 9% of the money would actually go to infrastructure. Like the agriculture bills. They're called farm bills or agriculture bills, but the bulk majority is welfare and things of that nature. Right. Yeah. So that was the bipartisan one. But then they want to do a partisan one, uh, which is just Democrats. They can pass it through the process of reconciliation so they can bypass the filibuster. They, they don't need to Essentially, abolish Essentially, they could just pass it with every Democrat. They have, what, 50 Democrats in the Senate and 50 Republicans. And Kamala Harris would be the tiebreaker. So they would just pass it 50 plus one under this procedure. That's right. Yeah. Normally, it takes, what, 60 votes to pass something like that? That's right. Yeah, so it, it could be up to $3.5 trillion, and it would include pretty much every left-wing policy imaginable, such as amnesty for millions of illegal aliens, uh, major uh, climate change provisions. Uh, I heard just a few days ago that, that the bill will include $500 billion for so-called climate change measures just in and of itself you know and then there's paid family leave massive medicare expansion uh, and all sorts of 
policies, you know, labor union provisions, all sorts of policies that have absolutely nothing to do with infrastructure. And I would really just uh, turn our economy into, you know, like make it even more socialist and Marxist than it actually is. So what can people do? What do people need to do, essentially, to stop the implementation of the Build Back Better Act and any other bills in Congress that are like that one as well? Well, everyone needs to contact their uh, federal officials, their U.S. representative and their U.S. senators, tell them to vote against uh, both of these bills. What's the best or easiest way to contact them to stop these bills? Yeah, go to jbs.org under the tab titled Act Now. And if you see our federal alerts, uh, you'll see the legislative alert targeting uh, those so-called infrastructure bills, uh, H.R. Uh, 3684 and the Build Back Better Act. And that's an easy way to uh, just click a few buttons and you'll be able to both send an email message and then phone call and then also make a video message to your congressman. And all three of them are recommended, but especially the phone call because that'll get to them easiest. So the John Birch Society provides a very easy and convenient way to contact your officials, both on this and on, like, and on every other important issue that we're facing, both on the federal and state level. So the way these legislative alerts work, if I uh, understand correctly, there's a pre-written message there that if, if, if for the email portion of it, that is, a pre-written email that would go to their U.S. representative, U.S. senator, uh, but they can edit that message and put it in their own words, and we do encourage them to do so, correct? That's right. So it doesn't come across as like a cookie-cutter thing. But if they're, for whatever reason, they can't come up with their own wording, they're under a time crunch, they can send what is there, but we always encourage them to put it in their own words. That's right. Yeah, our system that we use is very flexible, and it's very easy to use. Now, now they can send the pre-written message to stop the Build Back Better Act and these other so-called infrastructure bills that you mentioned. But um, what's the significance of the phone calls? I mean, if you have the, if you, if you have the email sent, why bother with the phone call? Why, why do you recommend that they uh, click on the phone call uh, option as well? Well, phone, calling them is the easiest way for them to take notice because with an email, it can go into someone's inbox, but you know, hopefully they'll be reading it, maybe not. Uh, with a phone call, it actually goes to, a, to an actual person. I interned for a congressman for three months, and I would handle the phone calls for that. And that was a very effective way of getting in touch with the congressman. And I imagine most congressmen probably don't get a lot of phone calls. Well, maybe they do, but probably mostly from, like, the left organizations that are pushing people to call. I bet there isn't a lot of uh, opposition. I mean, who else besides the John Burke Society really is there that has a massive organization that is educating the electorate about the dangers and threats of the Great Reset and getting people to act about it? We're the only one, and I think that we were even the first organization at all to even uh, raise awareness of the Great Reset in general. I saw some conservative organizations pick up on the Great Reset uh, earlier this year, which was many months after we did. Of course. And we have several friends out there that are outside of the JBS TNA uh, organization uh, that are doing good work as well. But really, JBS, the New American Magazine, have been at the forefront, really, uh, of exposing this and getting people to act. It's not just 
education for the sake of education. Let's just scare you into a corner. Okay, the world's going to collapse. Something you can do about it next program. But no, we're trying to motivate people. These are actions you can do with these legislative alerts. Uh, and in addition to legislative alerts, what other actions do you recommend that people uh, can do or should take to get awareness out there about the Great Reset? And Because really, the Great Reset really is um, the catalyst for a lot of these changes. I mean, Klaus Schwab, right? He wrote that book. Well, he's written several books, but one of the key books he wrote, published last year, uh, as this pandemic is happening, and we don't really know what's going on, yet Klaus Schwab authors a book called COVID-19 and the Great Reset. I mean, it's pretty clear as clear as mud, as they say, or really in reality, clear as day as to what they're doing here. So what do you recommend people do to get awareness out there about what's going on? Well, The New American, which is our publication, uh, we've published a lot of great materials on the uh, Great Reset, and we've made uh, several very good videos on it. And it, uh, everyone should be uh, spreading around those videos to educate people, because there are many people who still have no idea what the Great Reset is, and you know, who have no idea what the real agenda behind the coronavirus is. So just building awareness by you know, holding meetings, uh, you know, just by sharing uh, this information with others, uh, that's also very effective. So people can go to like shoptna.org, click on the back. They can click on the, the back issues, click on 2021 specifically. And there's at least two, if not three, cover stories or, or issues of the New American Magazine where the cover story was COVID-19. Sorry, not COVID-19. The Great Reset was the Great Reset. Uh, we had some uh, key articles this year, especially by Alex Newman. And I'm just going to throw in a little shameless plug here for uh, another program that I uh, hosted here for the John Birch Society, Anarchy in America. And there were several episodes of that show, which is available on YouTube, Rumble, and everywhere else that were our platforms uh, that we have. Also, JBS.org, um, that we have the videos posted. where we, I did several episodes with Alex Newman and, and also with myself, uh, or just myself, talking about the Great Reset um, and the fourth industrial revolution. So we have lots of videos, lots of articles uh, that we have created solely for the purpose of educating people about uh, what is uh, going on here. That's right. And also another thing that everyone should be doing is educating state legislators about the principle of nullification under Article 6 uh, that only laws that are in compliance with the Constitution are valid and everything else uh, should be ignored. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Peter. Uh, I went to public school and I learned that, you know, in the Constitution, we have the supremacy clause, which comes from Article 6, which, which basically the way it was taught in the public schools is the federal government supersedes the states. So no matter what the states do, federal government says opposite, then what the federal government says goes. You're telling me a public school educated kid from the New York public school system is wrong? Well, the public schools don't actually educate. They indoctrinate with left-wing ideology. And that's one of the uh, many lies that they've spread about uh, just anything. Uh, Article 6 is completely different uh, than what they uh, claim. I'll read it out. It says, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land. And the key phrase is made in pursuance thereof. Only laws that are made in pursuance of the Constitution are valid. It does not mean that every law passed by Congress 
Or executive order made by the president, which is not a law. That's right. But they've uh, completely ignored that to uh, claim that anything coming from the federal government supersedes state law, even if it's blatantly unconstitutional. And these infrastructure bills are blatantly unconstitutional. There's no constitutional basis for nearly any of their provisions. So to go full circle with this, um, back to the beginning, how can this, how can Article 6 of the Constitution nullification be used to effectively stop or push back against all the COVID-19 tyranny we see coming in different states and also from the White House right now under Biden? Well, there's a lot that state legislators can do about that because all of those uh, edicts and all of that tyranny, none of it's constitutional. The state legislators uh, have a duty to uh, interpose between the federal government and their citizens and prevent uh, this tyranny from being enforced. Uh, they can also pass legislation to uh, prevent the federal government from receiving the money that it would use to uh, spend for all these unconstitutional programs as well. Absolutely. So go, l let's talk a little bit about what's going on around the world uh, with the COVID-19 uh, tyranny. Because we, we focus a lot just now on the U.S., uh, but it's not just the U.S. I mean, clearly Biden is a major problem uh, when it comes to individual liberty in America, but Biden isn't the only one uh, acting like this. So in, in the country of Austria, they've threatened to impose new lockdowns, um, except this time it will be lockdowns for only unvaccinated people. Um, even though 65.4% of the country's population have received one dose of the so-called vaccine, and 62.2% being fully vaccinated, the country is right now having another spike in these COVID-19 cases, despite, you know, we have uh, close to two-thirds of the population being vaccinated. The Associated Press reported, uh, quote, in the past week, Austria has reported 20,400 new cases of the virus, according to health authorities, bringing the seven-day average to 228.5 per 100,000 inhabitants. A week er earlier, that figure was 152.5 per 100,000 inhabitants. So now as a result, the Austrian government is putting down these new um, uh, limits on the amount of intensive care units that can be used by pat uh, patients who have COVID-19 um, and it will, uh, that it will allow before imposing the new restrictions they're going to have on the unvaccinated. So right now in the country um, of Austria, if they reach 500 uh, patients in ICUs with COVID-19, they're going to reintroduce the, the vaccine passports, which essentially prohibit people from going to restaurants and other venues like that, sporting events and hotels and whatnot. And if they reach 600 cases of people with uh, in ICUs in Austria then um which is essentially um yeah the government will then force the unvaccinated to self-isolate in their homes uh and only letting them leave for the most essential reasons and the chancellor of austria uh alexander schallenberg if i'm saying that person's name right uh blame these this new spike uh, on the one-third of the population that isn't vaccinated this is what he said we are about to stumble into a pandemic of the unvaccinated I mean, that's where Austria is going. The unvaccinated is the is the problem. They're the plague of society. They're the ones with the scarlet letter. Because of them, we're going to have lockdowns 
on them at least. They're going to be locked and they won't be allowed to move around. Uh, last year in Denmark, the country there tried to pass an epidemic law where they were going to uh, literally um, force people under this law to get the jab, whether they rece- whether they wanted it or not. The police would just hold the person down and enforce them. Sorry, force them to receive the injection even against their will. I, I guess you know Chinese problems call for Chinese solutions. Then and then in New Zealand, uh, we have Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern who blatantly admitted to the NZ Herald, the national newspaper there, uh, that she was going to be imposing, under the new traffic light system in the country, a two-tier class system. She was asked by a reporter, so you basically said you probably don't see it like this, but two different classes of people, if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you have all these rights if you are vaccinated. And then she replies, that is is what it is. Yep. So Peter, what we're seeing right now is we're going from shaming people who are unvaccinated to essentially having laws and edicts, the power of the state in place to discriminate them legally. Where does this all go, Peter? If people don't stand up, what kind of world will we have by 2030? Well, we're going to have a uh, totalitarian uh, technocracy and it's not going to be individual countries. It's going to be something that's worldwide. Uh, I do want to uh, note about the whole so-called pandemic of the unvaccinated uh, nonsense, because uh, I read this morning Florida now, uh, back to the U.S., officially has the lowest uh, COVID case rate in the entire United States. And Florida has, you know, had a very pro-freedom uh, COVID policy you know, but then on the other hand, you have countries like Israel, where all these people who are fully vaccinated are going to the hospital, you know, in the emergency room and even dying. You know, then you had Colin Powell, who died because of the coronavirus, even though he was fully double vaccinated. You know, and we're seeing this. Of course, uh, I think the CDC was going to change the definition now of fully vaccinated to include all the new booster shots as well. Yeah, well, they're seeing that the vaccine, well, the so-called vaccine is uh, totally ineffective. They're constantly making excuses. I mean, that's, I mean, the FDA, they recalled, they had a class one recall, which is the highest level recall of the of the COVID-19 tests they were doing before, which were giving uh, over 90%, I believe it was, around that mark, uh, could be off by a little bit, but uh, a, a plethora of false positives, giving a plethora of false positives. Yeah, we're seeing uh, this happen uh, worldwide, with as you noted, with the governments, you know, trying to totally purge society of unvaccinated people. Uh, I'll give a few other examples. In Canada, uh, they're mandating that only people who are fully vaccinated can use any type of public transportation, including uh, flying, uh, taking the train, taking buses, and if I recall correctly, even leaving the country. So now you're essentially stuck in Canada if you're not vaccinated. Uh, in Australia, uh, you know, the government is even uh, stopping you from going from one state to the other. Uh, the government leaders are saying, if, you know, if you're fully vaccinated, we'll give you some of your rights back. If you're not vaccinated, you'll, won't, you won't have any rights returned. You know, and then new the new Z- normal, the, the two classes like uh, Justina Arden and... Uh- and New Zealand uh, discussed. We're That's seeing it right. in place in the, uh, even Australia. Yeah, and another thing with New Zealand, they shut down, they imposed a lockdown on the entire country just a couple months ago because of a single coronavirus case in the entire country. 
Uh, now, I want to return just briefly with Australia, with their government officials saying, you know, we'll, we'll return some of your rights uh, if you're vaccinated. Uh, well, the good thing about the United States, you know, with our Constitution and also with, you know, the principles that are um, elaborated in the Declaration of Independence, you know, rights don't come from the government. Our rights come from God. They're God-given, you know, so they're inalienable. And the government cannot bestow them on us or take them away from us. It's the rightful duty of the government to protect those rights, not to take them away or create new ones out of thin air. Yeah, so these these governments, they've completely abandoned that principle. And now we're seeing this tyranny that they're imposing uh, which really is no different from what, you know, from communist China, where they have the same way of thinking that the government bestows so-called rights on people rather than those rights coming from God. So that fact alone uh, really shows where society is headed if people do not stand up to that. That's right. The more society moves away from God, the greater uh, the darkness essentially is in that society and the more... Uh, tyranny is imposed. I mean, look right right after the the flood in Genesis. What did what did man do? Man congregated and made the Tower of Babel. You know, uh, wickedness triumphs when, or at least partially triumphs, because it doesn't triumph ultimately, but triumphs uh, when when the when the word of God and godliness is quenched out from society. That's right, and they wanted to unite in order to uh, become essentially. You know, infinite, and you know, with you know, have have total power, and nothing could stop them. And that's where we're headed now with the push towards a global government, you know, and global technocracy, uh, replacing national sovereignty and individual freedom. And ultimately, you know, uh, this this idea of a world government it goes to the United Nations. This is the uh, the core, the heart of of the new world order. Uh, I mean, you know, you had President George H.W. Bush talk about having a, a new world order based on a credible United Nations, right? So the UN is key and fundamental to that. So um, we, the John Birch Society, of course, have been supporting since the inception of our organization the idea of getting out of the United Nations to repeal the United Nations Participation Act of 1945, which is Congress's uh, letter saying to the UN, we officially, you know, join the UN to repeal that membership and get us out of the UN totally and completely. And not just the US, but other countries should follow with that too. I mean, the UK did Brexit. That's a start. But if the UK really wants national sovereignty, they should pull out of the United Nations as well and every other country. That's right. And there's a really good uh, bill that's been introduced in prior Congresses that would do this. It's called the American Sovereignty Restoration Act, and it's been introduced in most previous Congresses. And we have, we at the John Birch Society, have a legislative alert for this to get us out of the United Nations, calling on Congress to reintroduce this bill uh, for this current Congress. So yep. it's very important that everybody contacts their U.S. representative and their U.S. senators uh, telling them, reintroduce this bill, and not just reintroduce it, but pass it and get it enacted into law. So just to recap, we're going to end it uh, real quick right here. So just to recap what, what you've uh, pointed out, uh, Peter, people need to go to, to jbs.org, click on Act Now, click on the alert to stop the, uh, the infrastructure bills, both of them, the House one and also the Build Back Better Act and whatever else they come to come up with down the pipeline, and also to click on our alert to get us out of the United Nations, encouraging Congress to reintroduce 
the Sovereignty and Restoration Act, which as of this, as of the recording of this uh, 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 podcast, we don't have that bill yet in Congress. So we need to encourage members of Congress to reintroduce that bill to get us out of the UN to stop this globalist uh, tyrannical nightmare. That's right. And last but not least, we have uh, many alerts targeting each individual state, uh, either against the various uh, vaccine mandates and passports where they've been introduced, and also in some of the uh, more conservative states calling on those states to nullify the unconstitutional uh, federal mandates, uh, especially where they're especially where they're going to have special sessions. And then we also have the uh, national uh, stop force vaccination alert, and also the alert uh, calling on Congress to stop the federal uh, mask and coming vaccine mandates for public transportation. Okay, well, you heard it from Peter Rakowski there. Go to jbs.org, click under Act Now, both the federal tab and the state tab as well, and click on the, those various alerts. Uh, it only takes a few moments, a few minutes of your time to click those away, and then set some time aside to make those phone calls to make your message loud and heard and effective. Well, until next time, this has been Christian Gomez and Peter Rakowski with Freedom is the Cure. Thank you and God bless.